Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Amy Strager. It's uh, April 25th, 2022. We're at her home in Portland. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for coming. Uh, you know how we're going to start. First question is why wine? Why wine? I love wine. I think my affinity for wine started probably, um, I think back to like college, everyone was always about the beers and the hard liquors, and I honestly started liking wine in the very beginning. Um, not a big beer drinker. And as I've grown, my taste has actually, you know, obviously sophisticated, got more sophisticated from what we were drinking from. Um, back in the day to now all the great wines of Oregon. Um, there's something about wine that just brings people together. It's like a celebration. It makes me, um, you know, people tell stories. Everyone tastes uh, the same wine very differently. And that's what's so exciting to me. And to open people's mind to new kinds of wines is actually like my kind of mission these days, I guess. A lot of people don't know about sparkling red. And so once I discovered it and it was such a wonderful discovery, I, I want to share it with everyone mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't um, really know what it is and what it tastes like and where it came from and all that good stuff. Um, well, let's back up a little bit and talk yeah. about life before wine. Yeah. So born and raised and... Yeah. Uh, I, I was and actually born in Massachusetts. Um, my family's from the East Coast, but um, we, my family moved to Colorado when I was one years old. So I basically call myself a Colorado native because I lived there my whole entire life. Um, I love Colorado. Unfortunately, there's no wine. Well, there's beginning to be good, good wine there, but back in the day, there was none. Um, yeah, so uh, my family's all East Coast, and they slowly moved to the West Coast. My dad um, and his brother started be in the stock market, and they uh, really loved the weather in Colorado because after those East Coast horrible <laughs> snowstorms that you know, and humidity in the summer, they thought Colorado was wonderful because of all the sunshine. So I, I've been there, and then after I went to high school there and college there, and I got my first job in advertising. Um, I always wanted to be an ad major. I fell in love with it. I think I was in like middle school. I saw like the behind the scenes of making of a Pepsi commercial, like all the graphics that they how they got the little guy into the um, the Pepsi. Uh, glass and I was like that is so cool and then I saw another thing about food styling and how they use like glue to put the, like for cereal mm-hmm. so that like for um, you know cereal commercials it looks like milk but they actually like, glue it all together and like how they make things steam and how, like I thought that was like so interesting that was probably in I don't know like eighth grade <laughs> and so I uh, did high school and I uh, wanted to go to CU Boulder and basically my dad's like if you stay in state you can study abroad and I love to travel so that was definitely because I was thinking about going um, out of state and so um, went to CU and when it wasn't they didn't really have an ad program it was more a part of the journalism school so I learned a lot about not not wanting to be a journalist but when the, um, back in the day they were like there's two routes in advertising you can be an account person or you can be a creative and I like, love the creative part of it and I feel like I'm very creative but I was like definitely want to do the account sign but I want kind of wanted to know like it was there more like is there more than these two routes and I'm a self-taught designer um, back in the day there was like one class that you can like oh you can take a weekend to learn Photoshop and Illustrator and all these things and they try to teach it to you in two hours and that was like my you know how I learned about design and I was like this is awesome but like I don't know like I don't have an in-depth understanding of these programs so um, basically started working for this um, direct mail company in Denver and I knew right away that direct mail is not what I wanted to do it was it was very boring and not like it was um, an older kind of company mm-hmm. and I uh, learned actually my friend in um, he was one of my ad partners um, from Boulder 
um, texted me one day and was like, hey, did you see Crispin's buying property in Boulder? And Crispin Porter Bogusky was one of my favorite agencies that I had studied in school and was like, no way, because they were in Miami. I didn't have any really desire to live in Miami. And so as soon as we found this like press release that they purchased land, I was like, they're coming. So I like had to get in. So once like I did everything, I tried to like find people. I sent my resume. I like was super underqualified. I only had a couple, you know, like a year of work under my belt. But they, I interviewed for a project management role and started. That's, that's what started my advertising career. And it was the craziest four years of my life. We worked all, all the time, um, all weekends, but it was a really fun, creative, young, um, kind of like incubator of like, now I look at where everyone is in the um, US and they're at like running amazing, amazing agencies in uh, Atlanta and Texas and LA and New York. It's just like everyone that was around that time that we were in Boulder, like it was such a creative, amazing place that fo everyone followed Alex Bogusky and really um, there's just a bunch of smart, very smart people. And being a project manager, I got to work with all the different departments. So I got to see like what every person actually did and that what's opened my mind to advertising. I'm like, oh, there isn't just two routes. There's like, you can be an account person, but you can be a media person or a strategist, or you can be like a producer. Mm -hmm. And I really like making things. That's like what really brings me a lot of joy. And so um, I kept gravitating towards studio and I loved like working with my designers because I like didn't have that graphic background, but I like, loved what they were doing. And the more I was doing it, I was like, I can do this. And so finally one day I just like asked my boss, like, can I try being, you know, a graphic designer? She's like, sure. She's like, you work hard, like go for it. Um, and that kind of opened up this, the whole world of like studio. So I've been working in advertising studios basically since, I don't know, when did I start? It was like 2000, when was I there? Like 2007 is basically when I, um, yeah, started like never since then I've fallen in love with the craft and the making. Um, I don't really want to do the concepting part of it or coming up with the ideas, but I love taking someone else's idea and polishing it and making it like amazing and figuring out how to make it because mm -hmm. that's part of my daily challenge is figuring out these ideas that they come up with that no one's ever done, no one's ever made, no one's ever fabricated, making sure like it's to their vision but done in budget and on a timeline. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so Boulder was fun. Like we had a great time, but I knew I'd been in color my whole life, and I love cities. There's something about the allure of cities, and so New York. I kept like I want to go to New York. I want to go to New York so so bad, and everyone's like, yeah, we we will freelance you. And I was too nervous to like put you know risk it all. Um, so I did a phone interview with one agency, and they're like, hey, and they hired me on a phone interview, and I was like, I'm going. So like went to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, and I was like, I'm moving to New York, and he's like okay, I guess I'm coming with you. <laughs> and to the point where my mom was like, just go. I'm so sick of you here. Talk, you know, like you talking about moving to New York. She's like, just go. And I went and it was the best time. I like, I still dream about it. I love it. The city, there's the, the energy of the city, the people, the creativity, the art, like the food. I'm such a foodie. The, um, all the bars and like, it just like, it was just, I love it. No one ever, it's like, you never have to sleep. You can always run, you can run, run, run and do whatever you want. And you're in different neighborhoods and you're different parts of the city. It's like, you're in a different world. So I love the adventure of it. Um, and that's actually what brought me to learn about Lambrusco. Me and my, uh, I think he was probably my fiance at the time, but we were living in the East Village, which I loved like the neighborhood feel. And it's just like, you could walk anywhere and you had like all these different cultures and all these different restaurants. And we love pizza. We were always in search of like the best <laughs> New York pizza. So one of our favorites um, that we learned, I think we saw it like on the Food Network. We'd watch it and we'd be like, we gotta go, it's down the street. Cause like in Colorado, we'd watch these and I'd like put them on a map and I'd never be able to access them. And I'm like, oh my God, like that one's just down there. Like we gotta go. Um, so we went to this uh, 
little pizza shop in the Eastfield called Mornorinos, and they do wood fire pizza, and it's super Italian and just like simple. They have like this stratatella pizza with just cheese and just the bread, like it's just mm. like so good. It's like why it's olive oil and cheese and bread, and it's delicious because I love white pizza. That's mm. one thing I learned in New York is like I don't need the red sauce. Like I'm all about the white sauce. Um, but it was a hot summer day, and on the menu it said down below it's like fizzy red pizza wine. I mean, I was like, because at that time me and my husband only drank red. I wasn't wasn't have a lot of exposure to whites or roses, mm -hmm. and it was everything was red. And in the summer, I didn't really want to drink red wine because it was so hot in New York. Like you're constantly sweating. You know, it's super humid. And I was like, what's this red fizzy pizza wine? And the waitress came over and she's like, oh, it's Lambrusco. And I was like, let's try it. And like changed my world. I was like, you can have a cold sparkly red, what? And it paired so well with pizza. And then ever since that moment, I, th I can't remember what year it was. I have been in search of the perfect Lambrusco. <laughs> and I've learned over the years, the, the different styles. I didn't know that there was like all different kinds of styles of Lambrusco from Grasperio. So the darker ones to this um, Sabara, which is my favorite and like the more rose styles, the lighter ones. So I was always looking, always searching for them. Um, and they're not, I mean, they're, they're not readily available. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is when you talk to people about Lambrusco, I think everyone has that like old stereotype of the reunit, like the really sweet syrupy thing that your grandma used to drink. And like, I was like, no, this is such a beautiful wine, like a sparkling wine that could be so beautiful. Um, so yeah, so we'd go around town like looking for it in New York. And then my husband's from Oregon. So he, um, his, um, we wanted to start a family and we didn't want to do it in the city. And so he would always be like, hey, wine country is like 45 minutes from Portland. Like that was the lore. And like the only experience I had at wine country it was in California so like I think that's also why I started liking reds is because we'd go to Napa and Sonoma on girls trips and like have those like you know big fruit bombs um and now my taste has totally changed where they're like you want a cab I'm like no <laughs> and they're like do you want a Syrah I was like absolutely not um but I did study abroad in Australia which turned me on um to like Australian wines and we did like um Hunter Valley which was really cool and like got to taste some port there which I didn't even know um but they have I mean they obviously have great Syrahs but it's just like it's I started learning about like how different wine could be just you know based on the geographical location and so he I think before we had moved there he's like let's go to wine country and we went out there and we had the best and I was like oh my like it was so like and this was eight years ago, so it, was, it seemed very chill. It was very not California, very like low-key, like mom and pop, which I love so much. I love like family-owned wineries. I love like I don't need the glitz and glamour. I just like the story behind the wine and like that, that they're actually doing the farming and that you know they really care about the, their product and like it doesn't have to be all fancy. Um, it's I feel like it's changed now. It's very different, <laughs> but it's there's I still have my favorites that we always go to, but just seeing how. Um, so we'd go out there and then I uh, didn't really have it. That was my first intro to Pinot. And I was like, what? Like you can have a red that is light and beautiful and elegant and so delicious, like so delicious. And now I've, I'm changed. I'm like, I can only drink Pinot. <laughs> I'm like, don't want to be a snot, but I like just love it so much. And I love how it can just, just, you know, like the earth and like, it just t t changes like mm -hmm. wherever, like where, however the soil is, however they produce it, you know, if they're do, doing traditional methods, um, it's just, I love, you know, I think it's such a beautiful grape and um, it's something that I was just like, didn't know even existed until I was here. So, so um, we finally moved, we did move back here and I was like a little bit bummed to leave the city. It was hard for me to change to the slower Portland pace. Like I was always like, why is everyone so pa like patient? Why is everyone so passive aggressive? Like, why do people stop for pedestrians? I don't understand. Like I had to like slow my roll. I have a lot of energy. I'm very East Coast, but um, as we got here and then we'd go, like we'd take weekends up and we just keep trying like every time. And I'd like have a map. I literally have a map of like 700 wineries I've pinned and like, I just start like checking them off and I never want to go back to the same ones when we kept like revisiting some of our favorites. Um, and just kept like opening this like wonderful world to me. Mm -hmm.
Um, but like I, as we went, like when we started going eight years ago, it was only like everything was Pinot. You go to like six different wineries and it's like five flights of Pinot and you're like, I really want something different. And then there's, then I found out like Crawley was doing like amazing Chardonnay and I was like, oh, like, and that's changed my mind of Chardonnay. I didn't, I thought California Chardonnay, those buttery, you know, oaky bombs was like the best it could be. And then I started getting, you know, like this like wonderful high acid, like super lean Chardonnays from here that were so beautiful. Um, and I was like, wow, that's like, that's the kind of, that's what I want to be drinking. And that kind of opened me up to whites. And then I was like, and I loved when they had like Chardonnays to start and Pinots. And then you see that a lot more now. And some people are starting to make sparkling. I'm like, why is no one, like, I know there's Argyle who makes tons of sparkling and they make great sparkling, but I'm like, why is no one else making sparkling? Like this, I think this wine lends itself so great to sparkling wines. Mm -hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I like the variety now. I like that there's different, I like that people are doing Gamay and Sauvignon Blanc and like, I love Chenin. Landmass is the ones who opened me up to Chenin Blanc and like, oh, it's so good. Like I can't, like I'm always seeking like super high acid and like, I love, I don't know, love those fruit notes and just like very lean, clean wines that are like zippy. I like love the zip, the part about it. Um, so it actually during COVID, uh, it was like during 2020, we were like bummed. Everything was shut down. You know, there wasn't much to do with summer with our kids. And um, my husband booked up. We went to Sugar Pine as like a... Um they had like a picnic, like a charcuterie plate you could do. So you go get it, you can stay in your car or kind of like go down to the river. But it was like COVID friendly where it's just like you got mm -hmm. your little platter. And he, um, so he bought like the charcuterie platter and he just bought the sparkling that they had. And it was Landmass's like brute. Um, and I was like, I, I was like, what is this? Like I stopped in my tracks because I hadn't had spar organ sparkling like that. And I was like, this is insane, like insane. And we kept like looking at it and I was like, where did this come from? And who are these people? Like what? So I started searching. I was like, oh my gosh, it's two women, which I loved. And I, I started following them and started like tracking like what they were doing and trying like seeking out like where their wines were and the more wines I tasted of theirs it was like amazing and then during COVID they did a very wonderful thing and they did Frosé mm -hmm. where they deliver to your door and they come and talk to you and like you could buy their wines and I was like this is like door-to-door -door service and like Melanie is so like charismatic and so smart and so kind and um, I did a Sunday wine school during COVID which all went online and so she did like a presentation about sparkling and like showed the corks and I was like she was just so smart and she has just this like technical knowledge but it, she like can talk to you so you you understand it like it's mm -hmm. kind of like layman's terms or it's she's like think of an apple and when an apple you know um, it's been sitting out it starts to oxidize and like so she can put really simple principles and put it to winemaking and make it understood because I always like I like wine I like grapes but I don't know how you get <laughs> like from grapes to wine I don't understand and so she'd come on the porch and we talk and um, she'd drop off the rosé and like we just like you know had like begin like a friendship um, and then it was the next I think it was 2021 my husband for my birthday I kept talking about like what like I don't know I just like kind of like when I was telling my mom I want to go to New York I'm in New York I kept talking about like I want to make this wine I want to make this wine I just didn't know how to because I've known a couple you know a couple winemakers but like everyone's kind of on their own agendas and so my husband looked at me he's like who would you if you want to make wine who would you make it with I was like Melanie I was like Melanie makes the best sparkling in Oregon like I I think her whites and her sparklings are insane like they're the best and I think she's really smart to have that niche market and to like stay away from the big red market um and then he surprised me like he gave me a fake bottle of wine and it said like you're sparkling red with landmass and I was like what and he's like because I reached out to her and he's like she's like let's do it she's she was game like uh, that's what I love she's always about experimenting and like collaboration um and I couldn't believe it I was like are you for sure and I was like but do I get to do harvest and do I get and he's like you do it like talk to her and so I wrote her I was like I am like this is a dream of mine I was like I can't like 
like this is I've had this thing in my vision in my head ever since I tasted my fan, first Lambrusco. I would go around wineries and be like, why? Do, I'd be like, can you make Lambrusco style wine here? And everyone would say yes, but no one was doing it. Mm. Um, and being in advertising, knowing niche markets, I'm like, this could be a really powerful, wonderful wine. Um, and so she's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's collaborate. And so I like took a week off of work. I got to do harvest, like rent in a van. Like they, I learned they are the hardest working women in the valley. They do everything themselves. Two two women. They have like no egos. They get slack from people all the time. Like they are driving forklifts. They are pressing tanks. They're lifting up these. I'm like, like they're my height and my weight. I'm like, dear God, like so strong. And she's, and it was funny. I was like, I was working, working out. I'm like, I got to get ready for harvest. Like this is going to be intense, but it was like such a one, like I got to go check the fruit. And ours is from Eola Amity from Chemeketa. And like, so from testing the fruit and to waiting to like the perfect bricks and then like actually like seeing, um, you know, like pulling it all in and getting it, um, off the vine and then like, I love that she's like, get it out of the sun. Like she's a temperature freak, which mm -hmm. is like, I think her wine is so good because she uh, like doesn't take any shortcuts. Like everything is too precise. It's scientific. It's like, she's like, that's good. You know, certain temperatures, like she's, she never stops moving. This woman does not sleep. And like Malia is a force just like whipping around the forklift and pulling the trucks. And like, I just love, I just, I'm like, wow, like women just killing it. <laughs> um, and I love just hearing their history and how they got into wine and how that, you know, they've like really narrowed down their like, um, the, you know, kind of their view on what they want to do. And so uh, they let me go like ride along and like see the whole process from my fruit being picked to we distemmed at Andante. Um, Karen like helped us out, which was amazing. Just seeing like, she's such a powerful woman in wine. And I think there was one time where like we were distemming there's, uh, she was talking and they had like a tour of people and they stopped and everyone stopped and like took a picture and it was like four women making wine. And we, I was just, and like the guy, um, I don't remember his name, but he was like, yeah, he was like, this is a powerful moment. Cause it's like something you don't see, which I loved about it. I was like, yeah, we can do this. It's not, it's not that hard. I mean, it is backbreaking work, but it's so fun. And just like, there's so much detail to it. Um, so yeah, so I like, got to do that. And like, you know, we kind of camped out overnight. You'd work all night, you press the fruit. And then I helped them with their, um, a couple of their wines. So that, that one of the Pinots that they're working on and then a Shard um, that they were doing that they pulled in Pinot Gris when I was there. So I got to see Pinot Gris, which is beautiful. Like the skins were so gorgeous. And I just like, just seeing the fruit is like, and just tasting how sweet it is and like how like right off the vine like it's insane like like from you always think of like i don't know i think of like concord grapes or like table fruit grapes so these are so different and like when you press them the like the aromas and the color it's just like this dreamy red and the one thing i'd given to her is my favorite lambrusco bottle it was like i, I was like this is what i like i was like this is what i want to make like this is my goal and she tasted and she's like oh that's really great and she has this like amazing palette and she ran the labs on it and she's like okay these are this is like what we're aiming for and she decided that she um that we we're going to do pinot and Tempranillo and she thought like um, the Pinot would bring the you know the Pinot would bring the contrast and then like the Tempranillo would bring that fruit note and I was like I really want this color like this is like my, I was like this color is really important to me um, and she's like okay so we decided to do a five-day cold soak and that really extracted the color and then when we pressed it it was just like this dreamy color oh, it was just like it's so beautiful and it just when I tasted the juice it was like cherry and it was like cola and it was like this crazy marchino cherry like just like on it and it has this but it still had that pinot note to it so it still had like an earthiness and a savoriness and um like a big cranberry hit and strawberry it just like uh, and it was so fun to watch it change from being pressed and being put and we did stainless put it in the tank and then just watching it I'd go like check on it and um and then we she, i was there for fermentation and just all that process it was just i learned a lot and it was so much science like i'm like i don't know how you do this there's so much science and she's just like she's just running around doing it all
and she's checking on it like and this is just one of her you know 14 other wines mm -hmm. that she's checking on and babying and she has this like whiteboard and it was like fruit coming in fruit coming out and she, they'd like check them off and like they had been running I think they'd already been at it like 25 days by the time I got there and they still had this like crazy energy for it and they still probably had like 15 more days I was like I literally can't believe from end of August to you know basically like early October you don't stop like you do not stop I just loved it it's just a light I was just like this is amazing seeing how it actually how wine actually gets in the bottle and then me and my husband since we're designers we really had like obviously had a vision for what we wanted the label to be I wanted it to be fun and I wanted it to be like a celebration but I also I we chose rocks because I wanted to tie it back to landmass because they are always about the land and um, where the grapes come from and the sites um, that they pick from that they really believe in and they really want good fruit mm -hmm. um, and so yeah we went through all these renditions of all these different labels um, but yeah we settled on this and we really wanted to incorporate my son's art because he just does these beautiful lines and he's been a part of it um, yeah it's been really fun it's just it's wild that it's actually here and you can taste it and people really love it the problem of being a designer right too many too many good ideas yeah too, though I mean yeah that's it's funny because I as I've worked in advertising my whole life and I've always been servicing the creatives or servicing the client so this was the first time that I got to be the client and I got to be the creative director and so my husband actually designed the, the label but I'm like I'm a freak for like type and spacing and kerning and letting and so I think we went like 20 rounds on kerning he's like stop that I was like no it has to be perfect and like we actually mocked we got like a, another bottle we mocked it up and like because I was just like I have to see like how everything fits and the one thing I really wanted to bring forward is that it's a product of Oregon because I think a lot of people don't understand that sparkling red can come from here and um, I just love that like it is a Lambrusco style wine inspired by Lambrusco but it is definitely an Oregon wine and I think um, yeah, I think mm -hmm. it's really exciting. Well, I'm going to come back because yeah. I have questions about the wine, obviously, yeah. but I want to yeah. back up for a little bit to, yeah, to, to the other career. Yeah. Um, so tell me about, uh, in the advertising, uh, some yeah. of the, some of your favorite projects, some of your, the things you're proudest of as you look uh, back. Yeah. So I work at a local advertising agency, very large agency. Um, I work on very, everyone would be like very famous clients. My, I worked on KFC. So that was one of, uh, I worked on it for many, many years. Um, I got to work on the craziest things from bearskin rugs of the Colonel to Kentucky Fried Crocs where we were basically like designed the entire shoe and the, like we shot the, you know, the chicken and did the shoe and the packaging, uh, influencer kits. I, we made this like, um, picnic polo once. It was literally a shirt that turned into a picnic, um, blanket that you could have a bucket of chicken on. Um, I worked on tons of social. The last campaign I just did was, um, the KFC Beyond Chicken, which was fun because it was our last campaign with, um, worked on KFC and we got to change it into this like dreamy world. So it was like, you taste the Kentucky Fried Miracle. So we did custom tie dye swag kits and like screen printing and tags and we sent them to influencers and did all this social um I also worked on like the Rudy campaign for it was a football campaign where we brought Rudy back as the colonel and I was like so we got to do all like the um football um you know the banners and like the jerseys and um and, like anything the creatives came up with my job was to figure out how to make it how to make it look good on in budget and on a timeline and that's always the hardest part is like because they're like we want this and we want this we like we want custom foam and we want the and it's just like so my job is like negotiating down the idea to a point where it's still able to be produced and that the client and uh, obviously the creatives are really happy with it um, but yeah, KFC's wild. I mean, we've done like masks for like a DJ events, like anything, like, that's why I loved it. It was so pop culture, like anything could have been about KFC. It's just bringing in the right ties and the right collaboration. Um, and it was super fun. Like we sent like, 
uh, chicken sandwich to space. I, like my project, uh, like my job on that was doing the social for it, and we had Rob Lowe as the colonel. But like they, we literally figured out how to get a sandwich in this little like you know bubble that was literally shot from a satellite like up into space. And then we worked with this team in Arizona, and they, the weather it was too hot, it was too cold, the wind like there all these things. It's just and like the creatives were there, and I think they're in Arizona forever because they had to like wait for that perfect launch day and like the parachute and like they made like, this whole video and like it, it went up and it was supposed to tweet from space but that didn't work and it was supposed to stick a little flag out and I don't know if that happened but like we did it was really fun to watch and there's a camera in but to watch it go into the atmosphere was like I'm like when you go into advertising you know, people think like you're, you're gonna make some newspaper ads or print ads but I'm like no I make weird crazy things all the time like I just it's yeah, and that's what I love about my job is like the creativity really um, rules and it's really about the idea and like how to get into the world and it's just like everything else will follow so it's not like it's like yeah you want those headlines you want that press and like the buzz about it but like when you really just put all your you know like put that polish and really put really great design into it um, people really gravitate to it so and that one thing I actually love working on is I work on Travel Oregon and it's taught me so much about the stakes. Obviously being from Colorado, I don't know of all these places and this magical place, like it's just insane. And we always are featuring wineries and you know, like I was always like, oh, like I gotta go there, I wanna do that. Um, and like the rivers and the, the gorge. And one thing I love is when, um, since Landmass moved their facilities in Cascade Locks, just like that drive, I'm like, this is a dream. Like I always battle with people like, is Colorado or Oregon more beautiful? And it's a very hard, but like I can't pick, I have to land in Colorado just cause I'm from there, but like, it, this place, Oregon is magical, and like, yeah, the weather's not great, but like the things that grow here, I'm like, why does everything grow so good? And my husband's like, because it rains all the time, and it's the weather, and it's, you know, it's the soil, so it's just, I love how you can go in different worlds, like, you know, you know there's like the desert, and then you're in the mountains, and then you're at the coast, and then you're in wine country, and then you're in the gorge, so... Um, yeah, but pressing fruit and Cascade Locks and like walking out on like the river. I was like the Columbia River. I'm like, wow, like they have such a beautiful setup. Um, it's just, and I love that it's, and they get, you know, some of their fruit from Underwood and they have, you know, some from Washington and Southern Oregon. I just love that they're really open to like getting fruit from everywhere. And they're kind of like away from the valley and they like really differentiate. And they're like a, a very good tourist stop. Like so many people go up there in the summer and the spring and I think it's really becoming the next like wine destination, which is really exciting. So I'm excited for them. Absolutely. Uh, me, me too. I, I'm excited to see their new setup. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. It's awesome. I'm yeah. To see it. Um, back here, one more, one, more, yeah. one more question for you about kind of the graphic design yeah, part of things. Of course, yeah. This is a big part of your life. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular thing you've created that you're proudest of as you look back and like in terms of like time and budget that you just had to like create? Oh man, there's so many. Um, Give us a good example. I think working on a Super Bowl spot was like, I worked on TurboTax Super Bowl spots. And it's funny, when I came out of, I always talk about goals and like, my, <laughs> like I always make these like goals that I like try to push myself towards. And when I came out of college, I had three goals. And one of them was to have a billboard in Times Square um, to work on something that don't donate money to cancer research because my father had stage four cancer, which he's now in remission, 25 years, um, and to get a Super Bowl spot. Like that's like the advertising, you know, mm -hmm. the, the top that you can go. Um, and I was able to achieve, like I worked on an Aveeno ad that went in Times Square that I was like walked out and I was when I was in New York, I guess I was like, oh my God, it happened. Like it's just so wild. And like worked on uh, Phil Knight um, Cancer Foundation, the newsprint ad, which was really cool. And we worked with OHSU and then Super Bowl spots like TurboTech. It's funny because you're like, 
they concept these spots and it's just like you start like nine months ahead or something and it's just like constant and it's like so much pressure and so much and like the music and the videos and actors and it's always like so many things and so much client pressure um but it's you would just come together and then like you've seen it so many times by the time it goes on tv you're like i don't want to see it anymore but like watching people watch your spot in the super bowl is insane it's just the best feeling in the world so i got to do a couple years of super bowl spots and i just think it's i mean it's the biggest platform biggest audience you can get out there um but there's been like things I'm really proud about, like fabrication things, like things that have never been made and just like things that are real like, I mean, we made, um, they took a meteorite and we chipped it and we made it into like a chicken sandwich. So it's just like stuff and then we sold it for, and then people, someone bought it. So someone out there has a chicken sandwich meteorite in their home. So, and we've done like, um, just like these, this, anything with the Colonel's face, we've done statues and busts and like, mm -hmm. it's just like these things that you don't really think of. Um, and one thing I'm really proud of that was really hard to do was during COVID, um, since we worked with um, the state of Oregon, um, Travel Oregon has an alliance with mm -hmm. the governor, so it was um, Kate Brown. Uh, she came to Wyden with a question about, um, like, can you guys make, we really need to get masks on people's faces. Like, this is really scary. It was very early. It was like right when everything was happening. And so it was during the holiday time where they were worried that everyone was going to, you know, go see their family and travel and everyone's going to get sick. And especially when, you know, there wasn't the vaccines yet. And it was really a scary time. So we did an ugly, um, kind of like ugly sweater holiday mask theme thing. And we worked with Portland Garment Factory and we made like um, 10 different ugly masks that you could um, buy. And they sold out in like, I don't even know, like a, under a day. And then we um, had, we worked with local artists to make these like crazy ones like one had like a reindeer dunking that was like a blazer and like some had lights and one um one was it was a like a holiday ham and it like smelled like ham so it was just like we're like that kind of like and i just remember i was like how do we do like 25 custom masks like how do we do it and we literally concepted it thanksgiving and this thing had to be live by like you know december 1st so it was just like pulling everyone together i just like threw it out to a bunch of designers a lot of them sewed their own things one had like a bunch of little baby elves that's and then uh, she recorded like a little audio on the thing so they sang in this like creepy little tone um so it was just really fun and then seeing that was really picked up we send them to influencers as well so um yeah some people from bands got them and it was just like it was really fun but it made it a subject that was you know scary and not as fun and brought some like holiday cheer to people so it was really fun to work with portland garment factory they're just such a wonderful um partner and collaborator and you know everything's local women owns and i just love them so so you talked about kind of the big moment for you was kind yeah. of meeting, meeting melanie and, and getting yeah. into the into the sort of the landmass sphere of things so tell me yeah. about Tell me about how that relationship grew, and, and you mentioned kind of working with them and seeing them, seeing all the work they're doing. Yeah. Tell me about how you felt like your, your role of that was. What, what was your piece of that? How did you feel like you fit in there? Yeah, I think I brought her this vision, obviously, and like told her, like, this is what, and I mean, she made, like, I remember when I first tasted it, like, I started to cry, because I was like, you nailed it! Like, she nailed it. Like, the color, like, every, just everything. And when we did, like, the blending day, like, we just blended, like, it was just something that I've had in my head and to see it come to fruition and then see her love it and see Malia love it and see like other pe our friends like taste it and like be so excited about it. And now I'm seeing it like out in the market and people are just like loving, like, because it's like their intro, a lot of people haven't had sparkling red. They didn't realize a red can be like this. Um, so I love like the surprise factor and people are like, we want more. I'm like, we don't have any more. We're sold out. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, next year I looked forward to like growing and you know, I, it was, this year was kind of, and we kind of said it both, we were like, it's kind of an experiment. Like we're, we don't know how this is going to go, you know, like, 
like obviously it was like we have a lot of design things and I know that she leaned on us kind of for like some of her label stuff she's like I don't you know always love my labels and like I, my branding and all this stuff so we kind of gave her some of our visions and like what like we would do with the landmass brand um, which I think was helpful for her so it's kind of like we bounced um, things off each other so like we came with the design perspective the social you know like social media and these are the things that we like want to do and kind of push these things and this kind of party we want to have um, <laughs> and she brought like the science and you know obviously the winemaking skills and like but she oh, it was so um, uh, knowledgeable, like just like sharing her knowledge. Like there was no secrets, nothing like nothing. She, I'd ask and she'd always answer. Like I'd write down things or I'd text her late at night. And I'm like, why did you do this versus this? And like, she just always had these, like, I mean, that's how she learned is like watching her mentors and like, just like, you know, following them along and doing all these things. But, um, I really appreciate how like thorough and like their sanitation, they have a five step sanitation process, like how like everything is 200%, like nothing is left unturned. Um, they will work until like, you know, they are about to fall asleep but it's all about the, making the best product and I honestly every time I t taste a different one of their wines I'm just like nailed it like she's just like she brings this like expertise um, and I think she's like the next big thing she is so talented and I'm really happy for her mm -hmm. um, but yeah it was fun like I also got her to bring her into my agency and like um, we did like a little wine tasting party with her and that was really fun and uh, we she was like one of the first wine cakes that we brought into the agency and people were really excited because we always have beer cakes but we don't have wine cakes so just opening up wine to more people is uh, having access to it I think it's just such a beautiful thing and I like I admire they like she loves the door to door. She's so personable and like loves um, the, like talking to people and having the relationships. And I think that's why people really gravitate towards her because she's like so approachable, mm -hmm. as like a winemaker who's very 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 busy doing all these things and then still approachable and like loves like sharing you know her stories and like actually like sharing her wine with the people. And I love that they go door to door and bring it to people. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Tell me about the name Endless Season. Yes. Oh, Endless Season. Well, I learned a lot about trademarking wine names. Um, Melanie was telling, she gave me a couple, a little bit of history of some problems that they ha were having with names, and it is not easy to name, like, there's no names left. Like, we, I think we had a list of 200 names. Um, so we found one we, we really loved, which I'm not going to share because it's a beer company, and I was like, and I was so sad because I was like, it, like, a brewery owned it and a beer owned it, and so... I kept going through these names and I was like, should, and I don't want anything Lambrusco about it, but I wanted something like celebratory and something that was like, I don't know, that was different. And like after you like go through a thousand and you like, it's trademark, like I definitely wanted to trademark it. Um, so I remember I was coming down and I think it was like August, we still didn't have a name and it was like, um, and it was about to go, it was about to turn. So it was about to be September. And I was just like, oh, I want endless summer. Like, I was like, I don't want it to be cold. I don't want the rain to come. I don't want it. I don't want it. And my husband was like, he's like, you'll be fine. And then I was like, wait. And then like, I keep thinking, I kept thinking about seasons. Like wine is so seasonal. Like I was thinking about as like a project manager, kind of producer, like a timeline, like you have harvest and you, you know, in the winter you, you, you know, you get your, your fruit sleeps and then you um, get it bottled and then you're marketing it in the summer, you're selling it. And then you're all the way back to harvest. Um, and so I was just like, it's like, I was like, I love endless summer. And then all of a sudden the word season like kind of popped in my head and I was like, I love that this, and this wine also, um, what I love about the name is it is a wine that can be drank in every season. Like in the summer you can like, it's such a good, you know, outdoor wine, like sit on the patio and enjoy it. Um, it makes really good April spritz. Like it can be, you know, it's like such a good cocktail wine, but in the winter it's amazing with Turkey and like those like heavy holiday feast. It's like bright and you know, it's like really good with appetizers and meats and cheeses. It just pairs well, so well with food like it, there's not a food out there I don't think it goes well with so um, I just kind of like that it had endless opportunities and it was like it, it's very seasonal it can be you know really drink in any season mm -hmm. so and when it was available and I'm hoping that everything comes through we're still waiting on finals then yeah 
everything's delayed. So, um, and then, yeah, it just kind of took on its name. It's, uh, you know, kind of a life of its own. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like a, you know, like it's a celebration. It can be used any time of year. You don't have to, like, wait. You have to, like, store this wine and save it for winter. You don't have to wait, you know, in the summer, it's not too hot. Like, it's just, like, it's the perfect. Mm -hmm. It actually became the perfect name, so. You found it. I found it. It was not easy. And I, people who name all their wines, God bless them. I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I, I don't think I could go through that again. It's very challenging. Everything's taken. So it's very, you have to get really, yeah, really creative. But it was a fun process because we worked, like me and my husband would like, you know, go off like names off of each other. But it's like, I don't know, it, nothing stuck and nothing was like, nothing was sticking. And then this came in. I just like, it felt good. It felt like it fit. I'm glad we went with it. And then um, my husband, yeah, designed like a logo for it, which is really pretty ES and like, it's just, it all like came together. Mm -hmm. So, it's awesome. So once your wine is, is made, once yeah. it's in the bottle, tell me yeah. about what happened, what happened yeah, next. Yeah, so yeah, we got it bottled. Um, and since I'm going on sabbatical, I really wanted to get it sold or like get it into the world before I left. I'm leaving actually um, on Saturday, on Sunday. So like a couple of uh, week from now. And yeah, I just it, so it was ready, and we um, we were bottling it. Um, we did. Um, I was able to work with two photographers from work, which was amazing. They're very gracious. They donated their time, and we shot in the winery. So we shot the process of bottling, which was really fun. And then um, I really wanted to have a release party because I'm like, what's like, this wine's a party wine. Like you want to celebrate, you want to spray it all over the place. So. Um, I, um, I'm really close with the owner of our cross ball. And so he was like this, and I, I was like, I want like an intimate space where, you know, like it can be friends and family and so they can taste it. And he was like, oh yeah, this would be a great space. And he did like really delicious tapas that went like so good with the wine. And so we had a release party and it was so fun. Like so many people came and people loved it. Like I was just, it, it's, um, it's so interesting. Like you have this vision in your head, but when you actually see it in glasses and people walking around and tasting it and cheersing you and be like buying cases, like people were, I'm like, oh my God, there goes all my wine. Cause like they were buying so much of it, which was amazing. Cause it was my friend's family. But I'm like, I don't know if I have any left, <laughs> um, which is a great problem to have, but it was really cool. Cause the day before Landmass released it to their wine club. And so they were serving it at Cooperativa. And I just remember what, like seeing strangers order at the bar and sit down and drink my wine and enjoy it. Like, I was just like, it's the best feeling. I don't, there's no other better feeling than that. Just like having people actually really like it. So. As you, do you feel, does it feel like it's yours? As, as you do, does it feel yeah, like, does, it, do you feel it the ownership does. of Yeah, it? well it's funny, my husband named me Endless Amy because I'm always like, I want to do this, this, and I want to do this next. And, and Melanie's probably like, she has, she's like, has so many projects. She's because like, I'm always like, we should do this. And she's like, yes, yes, we will do this. Um, yeah, it's like, we also did a really fun product shoot. Um, I've had this like, like I want to show it off, like, you know, like spraying and overflowing. And so when I was looking at my social, like I can only take certain kind of photography and kind of like mood and swipe. And I really wanted to like have something that looked professional. And so at work, the um, two women photographers, and I love that it's been all women the entire time, but they helped me shoot it. And it was just like, it was nine hour shoot of just like spray and like, but we don't want to waste it. So we were like trying to like safer and like only like cranberry and colored water and some salt sometimes makes sparkly. But um, we had like really fun. Like we did like a pizza setup and a cake setup and like just tons of like rocks and colors and pops and so now my social media I love I have so much great content that I can share and I'm just like holding on to it and slowly rolling it out but it's just fun it's just like what the it's the mood and the vision I had like how I want this enjoyed and like that fun bright poppy color that's mm -hmm. just like a party and that really reminds you of summer because I really love summer it's my favorite season <laughs> so it's coming up yeah I know thank We're god yeah almost there I know I can't wait
Tell me about what, where you feel this fits in, like the Oregon wine industry. What, what part of the industry do you, do you play? I mean, I have I noticing that you know obviously there's a lot more sparkling that's coming to the market, but like I, I mean, since it's a red, that's why I think I think it's very niche and very unique because like there's not many people. I mean, there are people that are, some people are doing sparkling red, but not like in this kind of style. So I think it's going to be a treat, and I I found like. Lambrusco has a huge following. Like I always was like, I'm like, I'm Lambrusco fangirl, and like people really love it. But like the more I talk to other people, like people really like it, and it's interesting because like there's so many styles of Lambrusco. So I'm like, what kind of style do you like? And the, I don't think people realize that there's like all these different kinds. Um, so I think like just getting it out there and just like in more places and just like becoming a more like I don't know like thought of wine. Like mm -hmm. I think that like you go and you're like, oh, like everyone drinks rosé, and I just. I don't want to hate on rosé, but I think it's boring, and I think it tastes watery sometimes. Like, there's really great organ rosés out there, but then there's a bunch of noise and a bunch of not ro like rosé. To me, it's just like everyone's like summer water, which is it is, and like, but there's some people in the valley doing really, really great rosé, and you can that pinot rosé, like you know, rosé pinot are amazing, but. I just want to differentiate myself from that. I want, because I want like, this is flavor, this, you know, high acid, big buzz, like big fizz, like it's something that will, you like, you know, that you really want to savor. So, I mean, rose is fine, but it's more of a hydration drink, I think, <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> and then like, I love whites and I love seeing sparkling whites. Like that's like when I, I traveled through Italy, like I saw sparkling, Chardonnay, or sparkling um, Chardonnay and I was like, what? Like, why is no one doing sparkling Chardonnay? Like it is delicious. Like Pignoletta is delicious. Like, like I love the, um, these other white Italian whites. Um, so it's fun to see like that's why I think I lo like love landmass so much because she's like her sparkling shine blanc is like one of my favorite sparklings ever 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 I'm like it's so good it's exactly what I want in a sparkling wine um, it's something that I like think about a lot so I just I like seeing that more people are making it I know and I and Melanie would always say like sparkling is really hard it's like way more technical you need a lot more equipment it is a pain in the butt and that's also another reason why a lot of people don't do it because it is not easy and there's a lot more things and the corks and the cage and we learned about the cork I learned about the cages and the corks and like all these things and um and I definitely I'm not a natural wine person I don't like pet nats I like the big fizz like I don't want the crown cap so I was like I was very I was like I want it to be um you know forced carb I want that big bubble um definitely a more traditional style but I didn't want to wait for the champagne style, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't have that much patience. But I love her her traditional champagne wall is amazing. It is so good. I just every time I drink her wine, it just makes me happy. So. What more can you ask than that? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And that one was like, she's like, yeah, that took four years. I'm like, how can you wait four years? Like four years? It's crazy. But now I get it. Like if it's worth it, it's definitely worth the wait. So. So what comes next? And you mentioned you have all these ideas. Yes, I, I mean my biggest thing is um, so I so I'm traveling for my sabbatical. So after a certain amount of years at work, you get six weeks off. And so I am going to Europe and I'm bringing my wine. And I'm actually I just reached out to my favorite Lambrusco maker and I said you inspired me to make like you inspired me to make a wine in Oregon that's just like your wine, um, but with Oregon grapes. I wanted to know if we could do it. And they're like, bring some. Oh my God, that's amazing. They're like, we're so honored to be a part of your inspiration. I mean, they've been doing it for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, it dates back to, um, actually connected with the sun. Cause it's like a family owned mm -hmm. winery. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we will see you on this day. So I'm like bringing my wine to Italy and uh, to, so they can taste it. And I can't wait to see what their, I just want to, their reaction and like their thoughts. And, and I also want to learn more about how they make their wine. Like uh, we, we know how we, you know, make organ wine, but like, uh, do they do anything different? Like is like, and I know the fruit's different and obviously, you know, the climate's different and the soil is different but like 
if they have any different techniques and kind of things that they do that they have like learned over the years because they um, that Lambersco de Sabaro is my favorite like favorite and we're staying in um, Modena and I just can't wait to just go eat pasta and drink all the Lambrusco. I've like literally, I think we have three or probably four appointments every day, like just going around tasting Lambrusco. So it's, I'm very excited and just to like see if there's something else out there that I love too. And if there's another thing, but I, I keep coming back to, this is the one wine. I drink a lot of wine and this is the one I come back to all the time. So. And what's going to happen Harvest 2022? Um, I'm going to do it with Melanie again. I'm really excited to like, now I know what I'm getting myself into. Like I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but wow, it's a lot of work. So I, I mean, I have same, same visions and just helping them out and being like, they're just so scrappy and just having just the two of them do all of it. It's insane. I'm like, you need interns. Or I'm like, so I just, any kind of where I can lend a hand, just like help clean things or like take some loads off their back because they are just like, you know, grinding for like two months. It's mm -hmm. insane. And I'm like, you know, like, please take a break. And I always, I'm like, Melanie always laughs because I'm the snack girl. I'm like, you need to eat. You need to, you need to drink. Like, they never eat. I'm like, you need to stop. I'm like, you snack. So I'm always, the one thing I thought I could, I was like, I can't contribute wine knowledge. I can't contribute any of the science, but I can contribute snacks. So I was known as the snack girl during harvest, which they appreciated because they were very busy. So that was fun. That is one of the most valuable. Yes, it is. You yeah, got to yeah. have happy winemakers because mm -hmm. if they're unhappy, then you have an unhappy wine. So are you going to make anything different this year? More? I, I think more. I, my goal is more. I want to, like, I, when I came to, like, was thinking about this wine, I was like, A, making it, and B, I really wanted to get in a bottle shop. And so um, I, we were actually in Heavenly Creature, which is awesome. It's, I don't know, Joel from Cooper's mm -hmm. Hall. Uh, Joel's a friend of ours. And he tasted it. And when he tasted it, I was like, oh, oh, no. I was, like, so nervous. And he's like, it's good, Amy. I was like, of course it's good. But I was just like, you know, when you're, like, you look up to people, like, he know, he's a great wine. He has such an amazing palate. And, like, he did his picks are insane. We just went to one of his tastings. Um, so like just getting it on the shelf, I thought was really awesome. And I'd love to get it in more bottle shops, um, around town. Like that would be, and just be able to distribute more to like, across, I know it's really hard. Like I've learned a lot about shipping wine. It's such a pain mm -hmm. as, across the States. And I know it's like, it is cause of the liquor laws, but just getting it into more people's hands and just getting it out. Cause we did, we sell, we sold out so fast. I, we split the, um, I had half of my, half of, we made 58 cases and I took half and she took half and mine were gone, like gone in like you know, 32 hours. And then, um, hers have, um, just now sold out. So it's like, it's gone. So people are like, can we get more? I'm like, so I want to be able to like let people get as much as they can. Um, and we just didn't realize how popular and how fast it would go. So, which is, I mean, it's exciting and it makes this next year even more exciting. But yeah, just like seeing it around town, just how people talking about it. Even like when I go up in wine country, yeah. We um, were members at White Rose for a long time, and Tress, the winemaker, came to my party and he tasted it. And I was like, oh, another one where I was like, and he's like, it's, and he bought it for, and he brought it back to the guys that like are in the tasting room, and they all loved it. And I was like, Doggo, what'd you think? He was like, it was excellent. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, it's just really fun. I'm like, I'm like, will anyone tell me they don't like it? I haven't heard that yet, but um, I, I, I like the overwhelming good reviews. <laughs> that was going to be my next question yeah. was if you had any. Yeah, I know, I want someone to be like, <laughs> like, what would you do differently? I mean, me, me and Melanie are like, you know, push, you want to push yourself and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you do differently? Um, I want to change the label. My husband doesn't want to. So maybe that'll be something we will talk about. Um, I always like to like keep reinventing, but I really do like this look and this aesthetic. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we did put a lot of time into the design and like establishing in social media. I work in social media and advertising. And it is so hard to get people to like follow your page or like a post, like your content, like the reels. 
like, I'm like, I don't have time to make reels. They take like, way too long. Like, uh, like if I, maybe this was my full-time job, which it, it is not. So, um, but yeah, just learning what people like and like engagement and social media. It's very interesting from a business account. Like I've always done it for my clients and like seeing those results, but like seeing it from personally, like what people, what people like and what people want to share. Like, mm -hmm. and it's also awesome when like people, I have no idea who they are. They just like post that, that they're drinking it. Just is such a great feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting. Can you see it ever being your day job? I mean, that's so funny at work. Everyone's like, you're just going to quit and go make wine. I'm like, I started laughing. I'm like, do you know there's no money in wine? <laughs> like I was like, I, I mean, like I, ideally I, I someday would love to like, even just like, I love, like love pouring wine for people. People at parties. I'm always known as the person that's always like constantly like, do you, have, do you need another drink? Do you, would you, can I make you something? Would you like cocktail? Um, I just really like the social interaction of like, sh you know, sharing and pouring and just having, making people have a good time. Like the conversations around, you know, when you're together. So, I mean, yeah, if it worked out someday I'd love to do that um, and dedicate all my time but I also like I don't know we'll see mm -hmm. I like to be busy so I keep a lot of, I, I do a lot of things at once <laughs> you mentioned that this one is a, a Pinot Tempranillo yeah. blend is that yeah. is that something you're gonna keep for the future or do you I have think, plans yeah to I think so yeah I think the, the Tempranillo really brought the fruitiness um, and the Pinot just blend, like the Pinot yeah, it brought, like, cause I, I keep, I was searching for that high acid and like, mm -hmm. but also like, you know, delicate and like it has, and I like the savory notes, like, um, has a little bit like rosemary and like uh, grapefruit peel. We say it's like cherry, it has the strawberry and like that cranberry, which is, I think is really dreamy. Um, and then it has a cola, but it's not sweet. And that's another thing that was really important to me is for people to realize it was not sweet. So we even put on the on the label dry, because like, I think a lot of people will be like thinking back to those syrupy lambriscos. Mm -hmm. And I really like changing the um, like people's opinions. I'm like, oh wow, this is so dry and so different than I thought it would be. Because I think people look at it and they, when they think red, they might think like it's going to be like a sweet wine mm -hmm. for some reason. So mm -hmm. definitely want to break that stereotype. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it's also cool um, thinking about like next year, just like um, the women in the wine industry, like it's such a small, small, um, there's not a lot of women in and like the women who are doing it are doing it really well and they're fighting their way through and they're working so hard, but, and they also are very supportive of each other and like collaborative. Um, and I like even in you know, California, like there's associations that are getting being put together and, you know, money being raised to like educate women to go to, you know, wine school. Um, I had talked to Melanie, I was, she, I was like, I, her experience in wine school is like how like you know she learned like she learned so much there and I thought it was so interesting like the courses and how she did it and she did it to make it up but um, I just want to see more women in wine because I think mm -hmm. that I mean we've got different flavor profiles and different visions and just seeing um, yeah that three women can make an amazing wine like we can do it and we don't need any help we got it mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. On that note, you talked yeah. earlier about the changes you've seen in, in the Oregon wine industry. Yeah. What, what's different about it now to you than when you first saw it? I think when I arrived eight years ago, um, it, I love like, I, I, and it's still crazy to me that the Oregon wine industry started in the '70s. Like, I just can't. Like, I read, I've read a bunch of books about like the boys up north and like every, you know, Erath and all them coming, and I love their stories and how they escaped the California scene. <laughs> I just feel like the California scene keeps creeping up closer and closer in our door, and like, there's fancier wine rooms with glass floors and glass doors and um, I don't need the fancy I don't need like the really bougie expensive tasting like I want to go taste I want to taste a lot of wine I don't want to taste like three really really expensive wines like that's to me price point like yeah people are making amazing wines but I don't think you have to spend an arm and a leg to have an amazing Pinot like I feel like Pinot can be approachable even if it's I, I know there's a lot more 
and I know Pinot prices are really expensive, which I've learned from, from Melanie, like it's an expensive fruit. Like it's pretty, it's expensive to use, especially if you're using it in sparkling. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, your price go like all the, like how, your price point and how you figure that out. But um, I like the moms and pops. I hope they stay around. I mean, they're the history of Oregon. They like, they make the great wine. They've been making it, they've been going through all the years, all the, all the changes in the climate, all the things, all the noise coming in. Like, um, I mean, they're the true farmers of the land and they really took care of it. And um, I'm happy that they're still here. It's just, I don't, when I see wineries getting bought, I get sad, but mm -hmm. it's the nature of the business. Mm -hmm. And I know with, you know, obviously with climate change and everything's warming up, like we're going to keep going north and you have to, you know, uh, to keep those, you really want that cool weather. So to keep those grapes happy, but I don't know. I just, I, there's just so many. And that's what I also like. Like I love what, the one thing I do love watching is I love McMinnville and I like, we were there and it just seemed like this one little street. And like, now there's like a bunch of little like things popping up and like markets and like, I love McMinnville. I think it's so sweet. And I'm glad it's like becoming like a, a wine destination. I just hope it doesn't turn into, I hope it's like a Healdsburg, not like a Napa Sonoma. Like I hope it small, stays small town and like really special. Cause I think it is such a special place. And it's like a hub of like so many great wineries that are there and like the food there, you know, good restaurants. It's just really cute and I love Atticus like that's our, one of our favorite hotels in Oregon and we always want to go there um, it's just such a wonderful experience they really take care of you so mm -hmm. I know you have to, to grow and it's great but I'm also like I don't know I just I like those like simpler tastings I don't I don't like the seated ones that take forever I just like that you walk up and you know talk about the wine and learn about you know their their processes and like the land and I don't know mm -hmm. I think I like the more informal but that's just kind of how I'm I remember we actually, when we traveled, we uh, we did a trip to Bordeaux, um, and uh, we woke up one morning. It was like kind of gray and overcast and rainy, and we were doing the right bank and the left bank, and like, and some of, like there's it's so some were so fancy, and like I love the ones that weren't fancy, but like I was like I was like this feels like Oregon, like everything felt like, or I was like why does this feel so much like Oregon? The wine tasted like like Oregon wine, and I was like I literally looked at a map. I'm like oh if you just draw a line across the world, like we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> the same line I was like oh that makes sense like and I love that when we would say we're from Oregon people are like uh, the French would be like you're oh my gosh you're from Oregon like the Pinots in Oregon like the French would rave about Oregon Pinots and that was like I don't know probably six years ago and I, I got such I thought that was so awesome because I was like yeah we're making world-class wine like and I'm glad it's kind of still under the radar and I know like the more I go out the more touristy people like the more tourist buses and stuff I see so I know it's going to become more popular and it should be people should access this but I kind of like that it's been under the radar because like the wine is so good mm -hmm. no one knows how good it is unless you actually are here so what about what, what comes next for the Oregon wine industry what's it gonna oh look my like goodness I I I just hope they keep I think uh, different varietals I think that's what's exciting I know that things can grow like uh, obviously Pinot grows here a lot but like I love seeing Gamay I love seeing you know like I was saying like Chenin Blanc uh, Sauvignon Blanc I was like super excited to see uh, Sauvignon Blanc um, and I also like to see what like they're doing up in Washington like I think they're doing some interesting things too with different grapes and blends and I I don't know I just want to keep seeing different kinds of wine because I think um, obviously we can make Pinot amazing but I think we can make all kind of wine amazing so just seeing all those different things because I think that's what makes it really interesting because like back in the day when you had your six pinot tastings at one winery you're like ah oh, it's great but I could really like change it up but um but also like if you know it's good like you know pinot's gonna be good but um yeah it'll be fun to see like different I like seeing like maze like sneaking in there and um Gruner like I know Martin Woods is doing Gruner like oh Martin Woods's wines are so delicious like even like Riesling, I'm like, I'm down with all of that. And like just more shards, bring all the shards. Like I know there's a lot more shards, but I'm like all the shards because I think our shard is insane, so. Nice. Yeah. 
all the questions that I have okay, for you. Awesome. Anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything I'm, we, we no, didn't I'm cover? Just, no, I was just talking about women. <laughs> that was really important to me. Um, no, I think that's it. Like, yeah. yeah. Just want people to drink this wonderful wine <laughs> awesome. and support. Yeah, and I, I mean, you need to make more of it. Then so I know. Yeah, we're gonna that. make more of it. And yeah, like I want everyone to check out Landmass because they are, they're killing it. I'm really proud of them. So. Excellent. Well, thank you yeah, so much for your course, time, yes. for your hospitality. Yeah. We'll go ahead and let you off the hook. Sounds good. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University with a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.